Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward this morning and, and take our offering. Uh, when I told my staff that we were going to be talking today about sex, they said, uh, boy, you better take the offering early before you make everybody mad. So uh, uh, we're just we're going to talk a little bit and uh, we're going to take the offering right now. Uh, let me let's pray real quick. Dear Assembly Father, we just come before you and God in this moment. We're not we're not given because we have to or because the preacher's watching. We're giving because we know that in our hearts, when we give, we make an incredible statement about how much we love you and that we love you more than anything we could have bought with the money we're about to give. So God, would you take this today and receive it with the love that it's given? This we say in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, we are, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, sex. We're doing a a singles uh, study, right potential mate today. We're going to talk about why God has some rules, why God sets up speed limit signs uh, when it comes to our sex life. And uh, some of us today have some really young children in the room. I think we're okay if that child's like nine, 10, I think you're going to be all right. If they're younger than that, then we might just freak them out. So, um, You may want to have today be the day that they discover the wonder of children's ministry uh, in that building over there. It's your call, your mom, your dad, you figure it out. We just wanted to say we're going to talk and we're going to talk a little openly. Okay, so we're going to do that together. I know uh, some of you uh, here, if, if you're single, especially you're going... Dude, I mean, this this may be the part that I I I just hate. I struggle the most with her. I mean, wow. It just it just seems like if you're married, you get to drive your car on the autobahn, and if you're single, you're relegated to the school zone. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But here's what I want to say: what we're about to talk about together today applies to every single one of us in the room. And I know some of us in here are going, look, Lynn, I, I'm married. I intend to stay married the rest of my life. How in the world does this apply to me? It's going to apply to you because maybe you've blown through some of these stop signs and you want to hear, what, what do I do to go back and recover some of this and reduce some of this? But, but more than that, if you're married, chances are you're going to have kids. And if you're going to have kids, then somewhere, somewhere, you're going to have the dreaded talk. And there's two things about the talk that just freak us out. Number one is the idea that our kids now see us in a completely different way. (laughs) Anybody like me? I mean, you heard that and you just thought, oh my good, freaked you out really bad. Still have trauma, emotional thing from the talk. I'm the only one. Okay, well, I'm scarred. So um, I just said, there's no way my parents. And then uh, the second part of this is this. Once, once you have the talk, then the next question is going to come front and center. And that is, okay, I just handed my kid a loaded gun. See, I just gave them information and now they've got to navigate this in a society that says that sex is recreation. And, and that the truth is, the more you have, the better it is. And, and the more, how do I help my child understand that there really are some constraints. There really are some guidelines for this. How do I communicate that to my child? And if I'm, if you're here today and you're a parent, you ought to be taking copious notes. You ought to be underlining major passages in the Bible today as we're doing this. And then some of us in here are single again. 
and you're finding this moment in life horribly hard to navigate, I think in many ways harder to navigate than it was the first time. Because see, here's, here's the deal. Suddenly you find yourself lonely. And suddenly you find yourself in a position of saying, no, 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 I used to be in a relationship that was okay to be physical, and now all of a sudden, it's gone. Now what? And you're going to want to hear. So the reality is there's not a person in this room who doesn't need the information. If for no other reason, somewhere you're going to have a coworker, somewhere you're going to have a neighbor who gets ready to blow through this stop sign. And you're going to want to take that moment to say, you realize, you realize you're getting ready to do something that will cause forever hurts in your heart. And let me explain to you why. I know we come to this and our first impression is when we read the Bible and we see some of the rules and guidelines that God gives to go, man, God's just kind of a prude about this. I mean, he's just kind of stuck in the mud. And I'm just going to say, if you believe that, you haven't read your Bible yet. You need to take a quick pass through Song of Solomon. Okay, uh, that will change your understanding of what God thinks about sex. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, guess who came up with the idea? Okay, and I, I just picture this thing where God's in heaven and He's running up and down the streets, going, "Dude, you'll never believe what I just thought up. <laughs> I got this really great idea, you know." And He's telling all the angels, and He's going, "You know, I'm going to make men, and then I'm going to make women, and you know, they're they're going to in an expression of love for each other. This is a really cool thing. We're going to," and they're going, <laughs> "You know," and the angels are going, "Dude, that is so cool." And then I imagine the angels sitting there going. Couldn't you have thought of this like a million years ago when you were making us? You know, I mean. So you just need to, God's not got hang-ups about this stuff. Matter of fact, you and I are much more weird about it and much more hung up than, than God. But what God does come back and say is this. Look, look, look. This thing called sex, this physical relationship within marriage is so unspeakably powerful that what you do with it has the ability to either bring amazing joy to your life or deep, deep abiding disappointment for you. And that what you and I are going to discover today, I hope, is that the rules, the rules are actually what make this thing work. Any guys ever tried to fly one of these? Any of you ever tried to open one of these? (laughs) I had my uh, staff go out and get this for me. Bart Simpson, I'm not sure what they were trying to say. Of course, my favorite character in the world. But Okay, so here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, if uh, you'll all blow really hard. <laughs> now, it... You realize that one of the very things that makes a kite work is restraint. Try to fly a kite without rules and restraint. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm already bored. Okay, And here's, here's what we're going to discover today. The very thing that makes a kite soar. You ready? The restriction of the string. See, the very thing that makes this thing work and fly and go to heights that you can't imagine. 
the restriction of the strength. And what we're going to discover about God's rules is that although at first we go, God, what are you doing? Shouldn't we have freedom? And shouldn't we, you know, and God's going to go, no, no, no. What you don't get is this. The very thing that makes this special and the very thing that's going to make this physical contact, this relationship within marriage sore is the string. It's some of the rules that I'm going to give you that's going to change everything. And if not, and if you just go, no, 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 I'm going to do this without any rules. I'm going to do this just like everybody else. And God says, you realize you're, you're doomed to that. You'll be deeply disappointed in my gift. Let's grab our Bibles and just take a look at some of the things that God says, some of the string that God attaches uh, to our sex life and, and see if we can't figure out why it's actually genius, that it's amazing, that God knew exactly what he was doing when he said, look, 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 here are the restrictions that you need if this is ever going to be what I imagined for you. And if you have your Bibles today, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you're not real familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this book of 1 Corinthians And I will tell you that if I were you, I would get a pencil out. I would underline this. I guarantee you, somewhere, sometime, you're going to use this passage in your life. And it probably is one of the most clear descriptions of why you and I need string on our sex life. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start in verse 15. Here's what it says. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? He says, look, look, when you became a Christian, something unbelievable happened. Something transformational happened. And when you became a Christian, you were brought into Christ. And now you are part of Christ himself. He says, don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? And shall I then take the member of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never, never would I do that. Don't you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? Huge statement. For it is said, the two will become one flesh, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee. Flee, run away, run away. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins that a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have received from God and you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God. With your body. And right within this small passage of scripture, God gives you and I all the reasons or the best reasons for the strings. Let's talk. Number one, it's the one flesh principle. Go back to the passage. Verse 16. Don't you know, don't you know, don't you get, don't you understand this principle? He's saying that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body. Remember when God created male and female? What did he say? He says, and 
For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and the two shall become one flesh. And what what God says here is, look, guys, when you and I go and have sex recreationally, when it, it just becomes something we do to show affection and to say, hey, I like you and you're more special than... He says, what you don't get, what you are missing is the power of the one flesh experience. What what you're getting is that you are violating your very hearts when you do this. See, when God created you and me, when he made you... He not only made us so that physically we fit together, but you realize he made us so that our souls fit together. And that in that moment in which a husband and a wife are together physically, that amidst all the fun and all of the neatness and all of the whoo of that moment, that God says, there's a play going on. There's an act going on in that moment. How many have been baptized? Okay. You realize that when you get baptized, you do a play, right? You do an act. And and that what happened was, is that I think God knew that when we first became believers, that most of us would have no idea how to say what we needed to say and and how to describe to our friends that we'd become believers or how to kind of share our faith. And yet God knew that that was vital for a brand new believer to immediately declare, look, I believe this stuff. I really do. So he gave us this incredible gift called baptism. It's a play. It's an act done in public to tell people what we believe in our hearts. So Romans tells us that when we get baptized, when you stand in the water, when you stand there, Romans tells us that what you're saying, not with words, but with your play, with your act, you're saying, I believe Jesus Christ really lived. That he really was here on earth. He really was the son of God come in the flesh. Disney did not make him up. It's not some myth, some fable, some nice religious story. Jesus, the son of God, lived in the flesh here on earth. That's what I believe. That's what you're saying. That's what you're play acting in baptism. Then when they bury you under the water, when they place you under the water, you're saying in the play, I believe that Jesus died and was buried. Not that he swooned, not that he passed out and then woke up in the grave later. I believe he died and was buried. And then when they bring you up out of the water, you're saying, and I believe he rose again. Not not spiritually, not some ghost. He rose again, which makes him different than every other religious figure, which says everything he said is true. And so that God would know it, God raised him up from the dead so that I would understand that he was different than every other person. That's baptism. It's a testimony given without saying a word. It's a play that I act out. Make sense? The marriage bed is a play. It's, it's a moment acted out. It's a promise and a covenant given without a word being spoken that says, you ready for this? We are one. We're one. 
which means all of your hopes are now my hopes and all of your dreams are now my dreams and your enemies are my enemies and your plans are my plans because come whatever may come we're one we will do this together and it's a covenant and it's a promise between a man and a woman that is play acted every time they come together God says, look, 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 if you give that away indiscriminately, if you do that recreationally, you don't understand the covenant. You don't understand the power of one flesh. And that something desperate is lost when when I have to say, look, okay, I've already said this to Janet, and I said it to Alice when we were dating, and yeah, I I said this to Mary too, but, but at least I'm here saying it to you now. And God just simply says, you realize, you realize that's different. Then if you wait and can say to that person you love, I have never said this to anyone but you. And God just says there's amazing, amazing power in that one flesh moment. It's why the string is important. There's a second principle here in Scripture. And that principle is is that when you and I, when when we are physical, when we have sexual intimacy, not only do our bodies touch each other, are you ready for this? Our souls touch. Our souls touch each other. Go with me back to the passage. Verse 18. Here's what it says. Flee. Run away, run away, run away, run away. Don't do this. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins that a man commits are outside his body. Isn't that a weird statement? I mean, think about that a minute. Isn't that a weird statement? Every other sin that a man commits is outside his body, but if you sin sexually, that's against your body. That's weird. I mean, I can think of a whole bunch of sins that seem to me like they would be against my body. What about suicide? Doesn't that seem like that would be like the ultimate sin against my body? What about drugs? Wouldn't drugs be a sin against my body? What about teenagers who cut themselves? Wouldn't that be a sin against my... Or what about anorexia or bulimia? Wouldn't those be sins against my... I can think of a whole bunch of stuff that seems like it would be a sin against my body. Why does scripture here say this is the one sin against my body? Matter of fact, he even goes on. He says, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now, here's why this doesn't make sense to us and why it's confusing. When the Bible translators translated this scripture, they had a hard time coming up with the word to stick there. And they stuck the word body. But the problem is the Greek word there is the Greek word soma. And you and I don't have a good English equivalent to soma. And what soma really means is, is it means entirety. The everything. And the closest you and I get is every once in a while you'll hear someone say, hey, that body of water. And what we mean when we say that is, you put all the water together, that's the body of water, right? This Greek word here, which they translated body, really means entirety. So what it's really saying is this. What you don't get, what you don't understand is, is that he or she who sins sexually, sins against their person. They sin against who they are on the inside. They sin, ready for this? Against their soul. 
And you go, what? Here's the answer. God created our souls. To be sticky. Okay. God created our souls to be sticky. Matter of fact, one of the powers, one of the wonders of the physical encounter between a man and a woman is you take her stickiness and his stickiness in their soul and you stick that together and God says, man, that is so powerful. Here's the problem. When I become sexually active recreationally, when I begin to be sexually active with every person that I've dated that I thought I loved in the moment, I mean, I knew I loved him, and so, I mean, it made sense, and then something went wrong, and we broke up. So then I started dating Fred, and we were together, and I was sure. I was sure we were going to get married. I was sure it was going to last. And then he said I wasn't the one. And so then there was Phil. And Phil was short. It was fun, but it was short. (laughs) And there was Ted, and he had bad breath. And so we were doomed. And what happens after a while? And then I find the one, and guess what my soul is missing? The stickiness that God intended in that relationship. And what God says is, look, 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 guys. You don't understand what you give away when you share that stickiness around. Matter of fact, hey, ladies, ladies, little girls know this, don't they? Little girls know That when they share themselves physically with a man, something bonds. Something is given in that moment. And and, and you find a gal who has decided that sex is just recreational. You know why that is, right? Because she's had so many men disappoint. So many men let her down. That her heart has lost its stickiness. Men. You and I don't get this. See, we're, we're pretty sure that God gave us sex just for fun. And uh, the rest of the stuff is just girl stuff. And here's what you need to hear, men. Your soul was made sticky too. And that every time you give it away, every time you go in a relationship with someone who's not your wife, you lose some of your stickiness. And guys, you can't afford that. And God in desperate, desperate love said, here's what you got to get. When a person sins sexually, you get that they sin against their person. Number three. Verse 19. Don't you know, haven't you figured this part of it out yet? Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You want to hear something that will just freak your brain out? Scripture just said that if, that if I'm a Christian, then guess who's in me? Jesus. Guess who's with me? 
Jesus. So when I go have a relationship outside of marriage, guess who has to watch? Does that just freak you out? Doesn't that feel a little like grandma walking in the room? I mean... And if that doesn't cause you trauma, don't you, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? Here's the phrase, ready? You are not your own. So you thought you were your, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, this is, this is news for some. Some of us are going, what? What do you mean I'm not my own? And here's what scripture says. Every single one of us who claims the name of Jesus, who's become a Christian, every one of us who's come to a moment says, look, look, I know I've done stuff that was wrong and I know I've done stuff that disappointed God. I've done stuff that disappointed me. And the Bible calls that sin. And here was the problem we all faced. None of us can fix sin. And sin was keeping us from heaven and keeping us from God. And all of us hopefully came to a moment where we said, look, I need God to fix the sin. I need Jesus to do something about my sin. And so there's a cross at which Jesus died. And the Bible says, as he died, he paid the price for my sin. Here's what many of us didn't understand about that moment. There was a passing of ownership that not only did that transaction cover my sin, but it took your and my title our pink slip to our hearts, so to speak, and it transferred ownership to God. You were bought, Scripture says, with a price. So that if I was to go to the glove box of my life and I was to pull out the title, Scripture says there's, there's just one name on that title. There's one owner of me, and it's not me. And because of that, I don't have the right to decide what I do, even with my physical body, because I don't own me. Matter of fact, Scripture would go further and say, look, every time you see a cross, that cross ought to be a reminder. The ownership to you was transferred. And you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Which means then there's things I can do. There's things I can give myself to. There's decisions I can make that I don't have any right to make because I don't own me anymore. Let me see if this helps. Many of you guys know that years ago I was a youth pastor. I had this one youth group. I was up in Scottsdale had these guys, these, these guys in my group who were the greatest guys you ever met. I mean, they were the funnest guys to be around. They were the guys everybody in the group wanted to hang with. The problem was they had no business hanging with each other because they were like gasoline and matches. And, and, and there was the one guy, and, and you know what? He always came up with like the stupidest ideas. I mean, the worst ideas, the dumbest thing you could possibly do. That's what he always thought of. We'll call him Fred. And uh, Fred would always come up with these just dumb ideas. Anybody know a Fred? All right. Anybody married? No. (laughs) And then there was this other guy. And the other guy never came up with the ideas, but he was just crazy enough to do them all. So Fred would come up with the stupid idea, the reckless idea, the, the 
crazy idea. And then Jeff would do them all. He'd go, let's go, that's the coolest, let's go do it. So one day they're driving from Tempe back to Scottsdale. They're going across the bridge. They look down in the river bottom and they see all these sand dunes down in the river bottom of the Salt River down there. And they're going, dude, you know, it'd be totally cool if we were to get a car and like use the sand dunes as ramps. That would be cool, man. And so all of a sudden Fred goes, I got my keys to my dad's car. We could do that. And so they drive up to Scottsdale, the dad's house, get to their dad's Chevy Blazer. Their dad's sacred and blessed Chevy Blazer. The Chevy Blazer that their dad had never taken for a wheeling and then rubbed off every little scratch. And they hop behind the seat, turpid the keys in, drove out at midnight into the salt river bed, jumping sand dunes. And, and, and each one faster than the last. Hour and a half. Now they're driving back home. Dude, man, something's wrong with dad's car. The next day, Jim came out, got in his Chevy Blazer. He's going, yeah, something happened to my car. Can I tell you that that night, those two boys were thieves? Well, no, no, his dad owned it. His dad gave him the keys. But you and I both know his dad never intended that. And those two young men being reckless caused thousands of dollars worth of damage. They were thieves. They stole. You realize that's exactly the principle of Scripture? Is that you and I sit here right now and God's given us the keys and He's waiting to see what we do with them. And every time that we cut the strings, every time we say, God, I hate your rules about this, you realize it's like taking God's car and going off-road. And we cause damage and we cause pain and we cause hurt. And Scripture would say... We're thieves. Because we gave part of ourselves that didn't belong to us anymore. Or we took something from someone that wasn't ours to take. Don't you know you don't belong to yourselves anymore? Scripture says. Now, I know what some of us are going, okay, 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 okay. So if there's rules and if there's strings attached, then here's my question. How far can you go? Because I'm thinking, how do I get this close? You know, how, how, how can I go as far as I possibly can and not be too far? It's the next question, right? Let me give you the theological answer, the deeply profound, filled with wisdom answer that I gave my son when he asked that question. If she has to wear clothes on it, you ain't touching it. Now, I'm not sure where that is in the Bible. But if you give me long enough, I'll find it for you.
Actually, I, actually, I think Scripture probably gives you and I a better answer. And you don't have to go there right now, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it basically says this. It's not talking directly about physical contact. It's talking about just how brothers and sisters in Christ ought to treat each other. And it simply says this. Do not defraud one another. What's defrauding? Defrauding is promising something I can't deliver on. Defrauding is letting you think you're going to get this and then I don't give it to you. And I believe what Scripture is saying and drawing a line for us is to say, look, 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 look. It's okay to show affection. It's all right. It's all right. It's just not okay to promote lust. Because, see, here's what we want to do. We want to say, look, I, I know, I know, I know there's things I can't do and places I can't go and things I shouldn't touch. I, 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 but how close can I get? How much can we rev the motor and not go anywhere? And I think church would say, no, 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 no. Don't defraud one another. Don't, don't get yourself promising something. Don't get that person you're with wanting something that you cannot righteously give. So show affection all day. Show love and care all day. Just don't teach each other to be lusters. Don't defraud one another. Some of us in this room are going to go, Lynn, I mean, I, I have so blown through the stop signs. I'm married, but before I got married, I blew those stop signs. I didn't know. Or maybe I'm a Christian and I knew and I just said, God, don't care. Don't like the string. Some of us are in here going, I'm single and I, I'm, I'm living with someone right now. I'm, I am living past the stop sign in this very, very, very moment. And I get it today. I mean, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing that I'm doing damage. I'm hearing that I'm taking something I have no right to take. Giving something I have no right to give. What do I do now? Grab your Bibles. Go with me back to 1 John. It's going to be almost at the very back of your Bible. It's one of the little Johns in your Bible. 1 John, almost at the back. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 9. First John chapter 1, verse 9. Here's what it says. If we confess our sins, if I just stop and go, look, 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 God, I didn't know. Or I knew, but until today, I didn't care. If we would just confess, it's wrong. And I'm done. If we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's the hope of the moment, guys. That you and I have a God who loves, who loves to meet us where we are. And you just need to hear in this room, none of us came to God Perfect. None of us came to God having never done anything. So welcome to the club. And the wonder of God is, is that he loves to take us with our mistakes and say, and now let me show you what we can do from here. And that one of the things that thrills the heart of God is when you and I figure stuff out biblically, that we draw a line in the sand and say, look, I didn't know this or I used to violate, but from this day forward, I choose to honor God in this area of my life.
And then in that moment, God is thrilled and God redeems. And you want to know something that's even cooler? And God restores. See, what an amazing moment for you and I to go back and say, Hey, God, you know what the truth is? I've been so casual about this part of my life that I think the stickiness is gone. And and, and in love for you, God, and obedience to you, I'm just going to do this right the rest of my life. And God, would you begin to make me sticky again? What a great prayer. What a great moment for our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this, this sounds crazy and we never thought we'd say it, but thank you for the rules. Thank you for the restraint. Because God, we come to a moment that says, without rules, without these guidelines, we spend a lifetime disappointed. We, we, spend, we spend a lifetime saying, is this really all there is to this? And yet you, in such wisdom and such honor, have said to us, if you'll simply tie my strings, if you'll simply listen and let me guide you in holding this back and doing this the right way, then it soars. It soars. And God, there are some of us here today who've never tasted that, have never known that. And today, today, need to stop and say, God, I've been wrong. I've been wrong about this. And today, I'm attaching the strings. Today, I'm listening to the rules. Today, I want to soar. In Jesus' name, amen. I guarantee there's some of us in here this morning are going, see, Lynn can say that because he's religious. And this stuff doesn't affect him like it does me. You're so crazy. I know there's going to be some in here today who are going to go, Lynn, man, I, I, I can't even tell you how bad I feel because I, I, I have. I've done everything that we just said we're not supposed to do in a relationship. And I'm, I'm just going to say to you, that's why we all need God. Because every person in this room at some point has needed a second chance on something. And that there's a God of wonder who takes us and delights when you and I draw a line in the sand and say, Look, I didn't know this or I didn't believe this till now, but now I know. And now I believe. And from this day forward, I will obey. I'll, I'll tie the stream to my kite. Because I want to do this right. I want the stickiness back in my life. And, and, and I want to be able to say to that person I love, look, look, look. What I say to you in our marriage bed, I am saying differently than I've ever said it to anybody else. I can do that because God's redeemed my moment and bought it back. Sometimes God's rules are the best things for our lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just going to say something that we thought we'd never say. Thank you for rules. Thank you for no. Thank you for weights. Because you knew us better than we knew ourselves. 
And you knew the disappointment. You knew the damage we would do if we did this recklessly. And in absolute love, you said, slow down. Slow down. There's a speed limit here. And when you do this right, when you attach the strings, when do you let me teach you? Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, some of you are going to want to talk. I'll stay at the front. We'll talk. God bless you for being in this place.